0: Welcome to the Courtney Turner Radio Hour. I believe it is airing February 19th of 2024, and uh, it is an honor to spend this time with you here on WWCR Worldwide Radio, and I will also be filming this, so... You can uh, see the recap if you want to listen to it again, find my website. That is CourtneyTurner.com. And for those of you who don't know, I spell my name a little bit differently, so uh, you'd have to spell it correctly, otherwise you will not find me. Uh, But that is spelled like Courtney, so it's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And you can find all of my work there, all of my podcasts, interviews. Sometimes I post interviews of me being on other people's shows as well. And I've got some articles up there. And you can find all the ways to support me as well. Uh, so, yeah, I have some really great sponsors. You can just directly give me a Give, and Go. Uh, we can, uh, you know, sm- Element, which I love. I love Element. They're awesome. They're a really great company. And people really underestimate how much we need salt, magnesium, pot- potassium, uh, especially if you are somebody who likes to work out. That is incredibly important. Um, so, yeah, my Element. Magic Dichol Nanosoma. I have an episode on my website about all of the intricacies and uh, the magic, if you will, of Magic Dicol uh, with Dr. Richard Presser. I personally am a huge fan of their cream. I, I find a lot of creams that actually work tend to be really heavy and cakey, and they don't actually absorb into your skin, and this is the complete opposite of that. It just absorbs right in. And I find that it makes a really big difference. So uh, go check that out. And uh, you can go to IWantMyHealthBack.com. It's a whole movement. Take back our health. You know, I'm a huge proponent of us taking ownership of our health because I think that people who are sick and dependent on big pharma are much easier to control. So if we take ownership of our health, then we are uh, one step closer to personal sovereignty. And then add me to your crowd. This is such an awesome thing. Uh, You know, this is where we get to make our own like Drudge Report essentially. Uh, But it is not being curated by, uh, you know, big uh, tech and big media. And this is being done by independent uh, people like me. And this is a great way that you can support the podcast. You can send me some love there and we can share news uh, with you so that you can use. So, and relax the sauna they have great saunas they're portable like you, you can just zip them up and uh, they're pretty easy to move around don't take up a whole lot of space you can keep your head out so for uh, ladies who don't want to get their hair all sweaty and just uh, pop in for 15 minutes this is great and on all of these you use my code quartz to get your discount and uh, rnc uh, of course, this is uh, John Richardson's company, Richardson Nutrition Center. And again, the code is quartz to get all your discounts on all of those. So it's rncstore.com. And he is the one whose father was friends with G. Edward Griffin, who is my 300th episode. And he is just a legend. And he's the one who influenced him to write that book, World Without Cancer. So you can uh, go to the site and learn more about that. EMF rocks. We're being bombarded with EMF everywhere we go. I personally love these. You can, I sleep with a little bag right uh, under my mattress and, uh, you know, it gives me some peace of mind and I do find that it's helped me sleep deeper. So I'm starting to get some deep sleep. Still working on my REM, but I'm getting deeper sleep. That's a start. Uh, Again, use my code quartz and honey colony. Uh, is my great friend Miriam. She's brilliant and she has this wonderful company with really high quality, uh, you know, natural products uh, that are so healing. And uh, it's a great way to support independent journalism because you support both of us when you go to Honey Colony. So, honeycolony.com. And again, the code is quartz there. And then brave tv.store, also forward slash quartz. Or when you go there, just use the code quartz. And uh, he uh, has some wonderful products there as well. I personally have used the CellCore. I'm a really big fan of the CellCore products because uh, I think some of the other, especially when it comes to like parasite cleanses, they can be a little bit aggressive. And I've experienced in her timer responses, I find CellCore to be you know, really, uh, gentle, but yet effective. So I'm a huge fan of that, their stuff there as well. And, uh, he's got great research behind all of that. So you can check out that site, make honey great. Again, you'll be supporting the G6, uh, you know, uh, political prisoners. So all of the money goes to them. Um, so we are, you know, really what, well, really honored to be able to help them. And of course, uh, you know, whatever we can do, because that is just tragic. I've had Sarah Macca beyond sharing her story at the cause fast. We had, a uh, um, Mickey, uh, who is Ashley Babbitt's mom speak and that just brought most of us to tears because it is truly just devastating. And you would never think that that would happen in the United States of America, but here we are. And again, the code is courts. Um, yes. And the wellness company, um, And uh, yeah, you can just send me a Venmo too. You can uh, send me a, uh, go to my PO box. Um, You can buy me a coffee. So now that I've given you all the ways that you can support the show, um, there are probably some others that I've skipped over. But for now, that is also I'm going to be speaking at uh, Richard Grove is doing a he does the autonomy. And I don't think I actually have that there, but I might have a link below um, to support autonomy. And if you want to take one of those classes, they are awesome. Um, it is a great, uh, you know, introduction to entrepreneurship. Really uh, helps guide people through that whole process and uh, also give you the confidence and the tools to be able to take that on and to build a community and a network in in which to do so. But I'm going to be speaking at his event that is next weekend. Uh, It is the 24th, I believe, and uh, I'm going to be speaking about the Truth and Media and uh, how we go about conducting research, like what I'm going to share with you today. So I think we had the song, the theme song has been uh, Pink Floyd's uh, Brick in the Wall. (laughs) Uh, Right? I'm not very good at singing, so I I will spare you all, but you know, we don't need no education. Uh, (laughs) Another brick in the wall. So that is kind of the theme song that's been running through my head as I've been uh, researching for this, and of also as I've been doing a little bit of, I guess you would call it, activism work. I, I, I knew if you had listened to my previous episodes, I talked about my trip to the se- state senate, where I talked about nax so that's a natural asset company, and I was really just trying to sound the alarm. And thank you so much to everybody who did submit comments, because this is proof. This is really encouraging proof that we can make a difference and that just having our voices heard and just having the pushback uh, sometimes can be enough to at least derail or slow down their plan. I do not think this means that we let up or that we uh, sing, uh, do victory dances because I unfortunately don't think they're going to rest because they think that there is upwards of five quadrillion dollars on the table. And uh, I don't know about you, but if uh, if I have five quadrillion dollars on the table it would be pretty hard to just walk away, right? So I I think we need to be really vigilant. But now I have been uh, involved in trying to stop locally. This uh, Governor Lee has put forth, he's announced this Education Freedom Scholarship Act. And You know, these words just sound lovely, don't they? I mean, who doesn't want education and freedom and scholarship? Uh, It really sounds like a good thing. And so, yeah, I encourage those. So those who are watching, uh, you can look along. And those who are listening, I definitely recommend that you check out the Education Freedom Act, even if you're not in Tennessee, because this is part of this uh, universal school choice that they're trying to roll out throughout the United States. Um, and, uh, I, I think it, I actually, even if you're not in the United States, I think it's worth checking out because I will get into it. Uh, but this is part of an agenda to breed compliant global citizenship. So they are really trying to indoctrinate and brainwash these children so that they can be, uh, programmed and trained in order to be essentially cogs in a machine uh, in a global workforce, and this is very concerning to me personally. I do not think that this is a a, a good step for uh, individuality and freedom and individual rights and personal sovereignty. So I have been, uh, you know, really trying to educate people that this uh, term, school choice. Sounds great, but it's not what we think it means. So a lot of people hear the words like choice and they hear freedom and uh, especially people on the political right. So I did a a tweet recently where (laughs) I said that, you know, oftentimes we think about um, these different labels. Uh, ideological labels as being philosophical constructs. And I I don't want to undermine the fact that there is certainly philosophy and philosophers who uh, have codified some of these labels. However, what it looks like in practice, more often than not, is uh, target audiences for marketing. And what do we mean by that? I'm going to get into it a little bit later, uh, and really, you know, hopefully, uh, break it down for you so that it makes much more sense. But Really, if you think about like just the left, right, the conservatives, the liberals, Republicans, Democrats, there's kind of like these buzzwords that they use when they're talking to an audience that they think they're going to capture the quote unquote conservatives or they think they're going to capture uh, the liberals or so-called liberals because, uh, you know, now that's also been shifted and, uh, you know, the, the word has been usurped essentially because liberal Traditionally it was classical liberalism, and now they use it to refer to left-leaning uh, Democrats, and that that that's not you know what initially uh, meant. So th- this is it's all very confusing and misleading. But I think the thing to just you know keep in mind is really that it's a. Uh, part of a way to market and target people. And I'll just share a little story with y'all, you know, about me personally and uh, how I've been personally deceived by this. When I was in sixth grade, I started a board for school choice. So I grew up in a town that didn't actually have a public high school. So the option for my parents was to send me to the neighboring town's public high school. However, this high school was not a very good school. It was not a very safe school. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are not too familiar with my personal story, I had a lot of challenges. I, you know, I still deal with them, but I've done a lot to. Manage them and to uh, you know compensate and cope. But as a child, it was definitely struggle in school. Let me tell you, when you're in a big classroom environment, this can be very challenging because I'm visually impaired and I'm hearing impaired. I'm blind in one eye. I now wear bilateral hearing aids, but I'm you know very significantly hearing impaired without them. I actually learned how to speak by reading lips. Uh, and this was part of the reason why when the uh, mask mandates came came on and I was living in uh, Santa Monica, California and everybody's faces is covered, I didn't realize how much I still depend on all those nonverbal cues and lip reading for clarity of speech until all the coping mechanisms I spent my life developing were then stripped from me uh, by these face diapers. And so in school, it was very, very challenging for me. The teachers would turn around to go right on the board. I couldn't read their lips. I was struggling to hear them because they were far away from me. And there's other n- noises and sounds. Um, you know, I was also born with fine graphic motor impairment. So all this to say, you can read more about my story. I've certainly talked about it in various shows and episodes. Um, but I share this because the, the idea of then going to a school where it wasn't safe, where Uh, you know, academically, it was really behind uh, the, you know, the national and state boards. Uh, It was very concerning to me. And I didn't understand why there were schools that were actually physically in physical proximity, much closer and uh, or equidistant. And it didn't make sense to me. Why didn't my parents have the option to just send me to one of those? Like, so many of my childhood friends went to some of these other schools and lived very close to me. And some of them lived much further from the school they were actually attending. So when I was in sixth grade, you know, this is, I was 12 years old. I didn't know the whole history of school choice, <laughs> um, but it, it sounded great. So I created this board and six years later, they actually implemented it. However, I will caveat that it was very different because what I was advocating for was for parents to be able to choose among public schools. So Essentially, the voucher system would be applicable not to homeschool, not to private schools, not to parochial schools, but just to the public schools and for parents to be able to choose that, you know, especially if a school was in close proximity, that they didn't have only one option of where they could send their children. So that's what I was advocating for at the time. I now know that this was just a stepping stone as they are Fabian socialists. So they are masters of what they call incrementalism. This is this uh, strategy and technique. This is why the Fabian socialists, uh, their mascot is the tortoise. He's slow and steady, wins the race. Their coat of arms, however, is the wolf in sheep's clothing. And this is all really uh, tailored toward Hegelian dialectic, right? Because it's uh, the wolf, but it's uh, dressed in sheep's clothing. So it's very enticing. And they're using words that target you like choice and freedom. And uh, that can be very deceptive because I will just caveat this before I even uh, go into the clips and uh, dive into some of this history here. We have school choice right uh we have a right to uh choose public schools to uh if you want to homeschool you can teach your children as you see fit you can choose some uh, private schools you can choose a parochial school there is school choice what they want to offer is government school choice so I took a trip with uh, Tiffany Boyd, who uh, runs an organization, a ministry. It is called Free Your Children, and uh, I highly recommend you look up her work. She has done several uh, articles for the Boer Pulse, and uh, she's a wealth of knowledge. She does seminars all over the place, and uh, she is really committed to educating parents about parental rights, constitutional rights. And uh, some of the, you know, misconstrual uh, of how they market some of these terms and what it really means and what these bills are. Because they, they are just passing bills left and right. The other day I saw that there was a uh, a bill in Tennessee that was put forth where you cannot get cold beer. Really? That's top priority? Uh, we we have a major education crisis. <laughs> um, we have... Uh, You know, the SEC trying to push through where really it's part of the Biden administration's uh, America, the beautiful, they call it. But it's the 30 by 30 agenda, which is trying to usurp the lands and resources from people. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but apparently, you know, banning cold beer is top priority. So it, it can be really overwhelming. And she is in the realm of education, really doing a phenomenal job of helping people and parents to, you know, sift through all of this. And we took a trip to the state capitol to meet with our uh, representatives and senators, and it was quite an experience. So uh, those of you may be familiar with the um, the speech I did uh, for a few weeks ago, maybe it was almost a month ago now, and that was about the natural asset Company. And it was Senator Frank Nicely, who is he he is a true patriot, just a wonderful, wonderful man fighting for uh, our freedoms and our constitutional rights. And he is just he's really wonderful. I can't say enough nice things about him. Um, And he's a super, super sharp man. So I was very grateful and very honored that he brought me in to do this presentation. And that was a very different experience. So this was individual meetings and it was Very interesting. It was very eye opening. I, you know, saw them as expecting that experience was wonderful. That when I went to go present, this was, I was expecting them to be much more welcoming. However, we happened to be there the same day that uh, Americans for Prosperity were there advocating for school choice. So we were kind of the other side. We were not uh, in favor of school choice because, again, as I had mentioned, we have school choice. This was about you know, government school choice. That is what we are opposed to, this government school choice and an overreach of government um, regulations and uh, stepping over parental rights. Now, in the state of Tennessee, this is very interesting because most people think it's a red state. They think of it as, you know, kind of conservative. And in some ways it is, although I think, again, in true Hegelian dialectic fashion, uh, they, you know, they create honeypots and, they target different areas for different things. So a lot of states, they have school choice and it is true school choice. So when you homeschool, it means you are out of the system. This is how it should be. If you are homeschooling, there should be no restrictions, no parameters, no regulations, and honestly, no surveilling, no tracking, no metrics. Uh, That's what it should be. If you choose to take your parents out of the system, I mean, your children, if you as a parent take your children out of the system, you should be out of the system. (laughs) Uh, However, in Tennessee, that is not how it works. So there's a couple of types of homeschool. There's uh, independent homeschool and independent homeschool already have to, they're they're really not, quote-unquote independent, uh, not as the, the, the name would imply. They have to report, they have to uh, test, you know, standardized boards, they have to uh, comply with uh, certain medical wellness type checks, and they have a lot of regulations on them. That is not truly independent school choice, but that's what they call them. Um, and then there is another category I'm blanking on, but the but category that most of them tend to fall into is this category four, where there are uh, religious exemptions and they're technically considered private schools. So even their homeschool, even though they're homeschooled, they're under this umbrella, they call them the umbrella schools. And they're these organizations that are under the umbrella. So then they, the organization, the umbrellas, uh, those different outfits have to report. So again, it's not truly independent, uh, not the way it is in some other States, which is quite interesting. And, uh, so I just wanted to give you a little bit of that backdrop. We did go in and talk to them. I don't have time to outline. We actually did a radio show on, uh, it was, uh, what was this one called? It's WKOM front porch uh, radio. And I believe that was airing over the weekend. I did that with Tiffany, Tiffany Boyd, uh, from for And, uh, we kind of went through, and again, we're going to have to do a follow-up. We've already planned it because, uh, we didn't have time to get into everything, but it was quite the experience. So we went to each of them and we had all these meetings. And you know, some of them were they they were definitely respectful and polite. I will say that. However, I was very surprised by one, how favorable many of them were to this idea of school choice, how little they knew about what it really meant and what homeschool that most of what we were there to discuss was the restrictions and sanctions that were being placed on homeschoolers, and uh, of course, also the fiscal ties. So, Kapiki, uh, who I'm going to show some clips on, uh, had asked, well, if we just took homeschoolers out of it, and he said, you know, independent homeschoolers are, are out of it. Of course they are. They're already subject to government regulations. So, uh, that would kind of be like a, a double dip there. Um, but, and they were already, uh, yeah, this is the in- independent homeschooling Uh, in the uh, state. It means that the student parents or legal guardians is the teacher record under the law um, and uh, is responsible ensuring all educational requirements that are met under the law. So you see, they're not quite really independent. Uh, I won't read all of it, but it's pretty easy to go and look up uh, just for the sake of time. But then there's the church-related umbrella school, and this is category four, which has the most freedom in uh, Tennessee. So of course, that's what we're saying is that no, we don't want them to be under this Education Freedom Scholarship Act, because even if they took them out, they the parents still have to pay for it. And then the other category that I was blanking on was the accredited online school. And of course, those aren't really free, you know, independent, free uh, opt out system because they they're online. The curriculum is uh, designated for them. And of course, they have to test, uh, you know, according to the state and so when to get into it a little bit later with uh, Charlotte Isabitten, she is a phenomenal resource on this topic. I cannot recommend her enough. Uh, the deliberate dumbing down of America. Now, she was a consummate whistleblower who worked under the Reagan administration. She was the senior policy advisor in the Office of Educational Research and Improvement and US Department of Education during the first Reagan administration. And she blew the whistle on major technology initiative which would control the curriculum in American classrooms. Is written as a former school board director in Canada? Oh, sorry, in uh, Camden, Maine, and was a former a co-founder and research analyst of Gardens of Education for Maine. I won't read all the rest of that. Sorry, this is a, it's a used book. It's actually not that easy to get. As you can see, it's pretty thick. Um, and, uh, she's got a huge appendix and glossary, but I highly recommend her work. And then the other one I'm going to go into a little bit of is, uh, the Order of Skull and Bones by America's Secret Establishment. And this is Anthony Sutton's work. And, uh, I think she, he draws a lot from Isabel as well. And, uh, her father, I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure. And, uh, I, uh, This was discussed in my episode with John Kleisick. We're doing another episode. He wrote School World Order, which I highly recommend as well. That goes into a lot of the technology and how they're using social emotional learning and tech ed uh, to not only uh, data mine the children, but ultimately control them and create these global citizens who are causing the machine of a global workforce. But he talked to he knew Charlotte. Uh she actually donated several books to him. His library is incredible. Uh, and uh she said he said that her father was actually skull and bones. And uh, so that's why she really has some inside information. And uh so yeah, so I highly recommend her work, and she, uh, you know, really does go through how this is a long-term plan, and it's been in the works for a very long time, and it is designed to. They want to get the private schoolers and the homeschoolers so that they are all under the control of the government, the state. So um, when I went to this, uh, when I went to go speak to several of the representatives, they were, you know, really not. Uh, so, uh, sorry, back up. When uh, Kavicki had said that he was going to take us out, now you understand why we were not pleased with that answer. Uh, and certainly I don't think that parents who are homeschoolers, uh, even if they were not going to be now tracked and uh, you know under the same uh, regulation, they shouldn't have to pay for this uh, scholarship fund for others. Uh, but we are, we've taken up a lot of time. So I'm going to play some of the clips. Um, yeah, we'll start with the... Uh, first one, of him talking about how this is going to be like a 28-page bill. Um, why? <laughs> 28 pages. And he keeps saying how, you know, the, uh, the the verbiage isn't there. And that was something we heard, like, throughout the, uh, one of them, uh, one of the senators, he's actually the chairman of the Education Board, we'll talk about him, uh, it was uh, John Reagan. And he kept arguing, saying that, you know he was required by the tennessee constitution to mandate uh you know education for all students this includes the homeschooling and then he kept bringing up truancy now if you're homeschooled i don't know how you are truant unless you somehow have disappeared. Um, <laughs> that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But they were insisting that the Tennessee Constitution requires that they have all these regulations and mandates uh, to ensure education. And that was very confusing to me. I didn't really understand how that was possible. Uh, I know that they're you know, required to uh, provide an opportunity. And this is what they do with the public school. And so I actually I asked him to bring up the Tennessee Constitution and the specific verbiage to which he was referencing and than he did and I don't have it in front of me and I don't remember it word for word, but nowhere in there did it say that he was required to mandate, uh, you know, the education or quality of education or truancy for homeschoolers. Um, So, you know, it did say, it it alluded to that there must be some sort of education, uh, an opportunity for education provided, which is what the public school system does. And so I I found that to be very interesting uh, that, you know, he was really pushing back on that. And then but there was a question that Tiffany had asked, and it was about uh, the, what was it, the, um, the rights of uh, parents. And he essentially uh, implied that, that that was trumped by children's rights and states' rights. And I, I again, found that to be quite interesting, and it was a little bit concerning. But the thing that we heard over and over again is that the verbiage of this bill has not been there. So this is a very, in my opinion, it's a little bit sneaky that they do this. They do these things called caption bills. And now I was not taught civics in school, so this is all a little bit new to me. And it is, and I, I don't think I'm alone in that. So I, I admit like I, I'm taking a learning curve in how all of this works, but this is a little bit concerning. They do these caption bills and then uh, they usually do a pretty quick turnaround. So all of a sudden they're up and running and you don't really have time to see the full verbiage. But I will tell you that with this bill, I don't really care what the verbiage is. I am opposed to this notion of school choice because what, as Tiffany always says, whatever the government funds, it runs. And I think that is absolutely true. And we're gonna see that with uh, uh, Warner, Todd Warner, who is a representative of District 92. He eloquently uh, addresses this. So let's play some of the clips before I ramble on any longer.
1: I heard two stories. One is that uh, there won't be any restrictions from uh, government on The uh, uh, money that follows the student. And the other story I heard from a woman named Tiffany Boyd that has her own, uh, they got things, and uh, that the money that goes to a child that goes to a particular high school, the high school has to have certain regulations in place for the money to arrive at the high school. So I don't know if there's restrictions or not right at this point. So, (laughs) what was your first question again? Do, our, our, yeah. do restrictions follow the child? Where are they going to use the money? No. Okay. Ask question. Well, that was yeah. my question. I mean, uh, why would I why would I put restrictions on my private schools? Are you worried about our private schools? Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What do you What are you worried about? DEI. BGI in yeah. our private schools? Yeah. yeah. What What private schools are teaching BGA? DGI? Well then, they don't send your kids in a private school. I agree. If, BG, if BGA can teach It's D... on their website. Let me tell you something. If BGA can teach diversity, equity, inclusion, which is basically racism. Yeah. Yes. The, yes. Which is outlaw. Didn't we have the, a this question. And people pay Why for it. Why don't you send your kids in there? Yes. Because they want to be cool, and they want to like uh, yeah, Starbucks. You know, okay. What private schools do to do to those kids? then don't go to private schools. Right. Go to those private schools. Spend right. elsewhere. Agreed. Pull them out of bga Go go to Brentwood Academy. By the way, come down to Columbia Academy. It's only ten thousand dollars a year. They don't teach DEI. My kids build it. <laughs> okay. Look, hey, we got a, we got a question back go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, I have a question
0: regarding the legislation. I noticed that both you and Bill Lee have been talking about the legislation since November. In the spirit of truth and transparency, would you commit to um, submitting the legislation
1: language for the public to review with ample time for public
0: comment and ample time for the public to understand the legislation before uh, pushing it through via a caption bill?
1: Yes.
0: How much time
1: would you commit to it? Would you
0: say, like 30 days would be
1: appropriate no you can't no how
0: That's, much time would
1: you think would um, be appropriate I, I could if 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 i could well i think by third my gut feeling is by thursday uh the bill will be released to the public for, for, for looking at um it'll be in committee the following week so you'd have seven days to look at it i could break the bill out right now and within 15 minutes i could walk you through the whole bill yeah,
0: no, I yeah. <laughs> so you man, just here's said the you could.
1: here's the reason why We want to make sure that we don't spend the next four months defending a bill that doesn't exist. And here you know about that. A caption bill is just a placeholder. It just allows us to hold the spot until we get the language right. So that when you see the bill, you're not calling Todd or me up going, what are you doing? And I go, what are you talking about? That's not even a bill anymore, right? That's what drives everybody crazy is the, what you see on the website isn't even what we're discussing anymore. Mm-hmm. All right, but, what, but you're but you're saying we're gonna have seven days. Is that the expectation? Yeah, because in, th- uh, in theory, if we release it on Thursdays, Thursday, Friday, Thursday, for it's it's Sunday Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday, I think it's in committee Wednesday a week later, so seven days. Now, it's gonna go through sub, and then it's gonna be another seven days before it goes through full, full right. and then it's gonna be double referred back to instruction full, that's another seven days, and that's going to refer to government operations which is another seven days and that's going to refer to finance. that's all it, again to be cl- for clarity where you're saying the goal is we're going to have seven days before it hits something. yeah i think i think that's, that's fair as long, right. as long as we get it released by thursday you'll have your seven days
0: so he he's i i actually got it wrong he's at 38 pages but somehow he's going to be able to break that down in 15 minutes no problem you know, 38 pages. I don't think I can read 38 pages in 15 minutes. Um, maybe if I were really just, you know, going through it quickly, but I would you read something carefully. 38 pages in 15 minutes, that that he can break it all down, no problem. Um, so that that's pretty impressive. And uh it, it's yeah, I thought they asked great questions, and he was really quick. You know, he just said, uh, no, they will not follow the the students. I, I can give you countless examples in other states where that was not the case. Um, and uh, I, I know I don't think we played this, but in his other one, you know, he talks about how, you know, he as long as he is there, he's going to ensure uh, the you know, that there is not uh, a, that it's not going to follow the students and that, you know, he will ensure the freedoms and rights. But uh, the truth of the matter is, that, as he said, he's not going to be there forever ever. And what happens is they lay groundwork. So you're letting a bill be passed that could be letting the setting the foundation. Uh, to be built upon and who knows what the legislature thereafter will do. So that that it, it is all very concerning. And I know he's very focused on the verbiage, but I, I do not support the school choice regardless of the verbiage. It is interesting. He came in kind of at the very end of a meeting I was having with, uh, It was uh, the, there were a whole bunch of us. So we were in a conference room and uh, it was uh, Senator Joe Hensley and uh, Kip Kapley And uh, I I had been informed later. I, I you know, I told them, voiced some of my concerns. uh, They told me I was using big words that they had not heard before. And uh, I, you know, I've said no problem. Like, let's break this down. I think it's really important. I think we should all go through it, which is why I'm telling people to read these kind of books. Um, And uh, the other one is also John Taylor Gatto. You know, he also wrote The Dumbing Down of America. And uh, he wrote several books. He's also a phenomenal resource. And uh, actually, Richard Grove did a five-hour interview with him, if you can find that. It was phenomenal. So, and he goes through that you know a lot of very similar topics about this agenda. It's uh, it's pretty extensive and it has a very long history. Uh, it goes all the way back to the 1800s, quite honestly, uh, with Wilhelm von. But yeah, so he but Kvicki came into this meeting really at the very, very end of it, and uh. Yeah, he uh, just so he had really like not heard a lot of the concerns that everybody had and then he just waltzed in saying, "Okay, well, so your big concern is homeschoolers, so we just won't put them in the bill." But that does not solve the problem. Really, I think there should be a whole reform. <laughs> there should be tax reform as well as there should be really true, genuine homeschooling where they do not have any strings attached. Um and uh, I think, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll play one of the other clips. Firm,
1: right? um, we asked the, I don't know the acronym, it's Tennessee Homeschool. Tennessee Homeschool Educator Association. Yeah. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, we asked them for their position on this of whether or not the Homeschool Association wanted to be included in the bill or wanted to be excluded from the bill. Does, does the reward outweigh the risk. And their answer was unequivocally, it does not. They don't want to be part of this because they're scared that once they start taking money, right. big government's so, gonna start dictating yeah, So So. So ten, Tennessee Homeschools Association, as well as HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, both have a position that we do not want homeschoolers included in, in this language at all. The first one you said was It's Tennessee Homeschool Education Association. I know we have a letter from that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying HSLDA nationally, they advocated school choice. So, so both, both organizations do not want now, to have I can't tell you whether or not that's in the bill or not, because the bill hasn't been released. But I hear I hear that perfectly clear. That's enough for you right there. Okay. So which category? Was, you asked about private schools and government interference, right? So here's what I tell you. Thing. Hypothetically, if the bill was before you right now, My goal is not to make private schools more like public schools. My goal is to make public schools more like our privates in the freedom and the autonomy they have to teach and teach and teach. Now, as a member of the General Assembly for the last six years, I have no inclination or want to bother private schools in the way they conduct their business because I can give you academic scores that they're not the problem in Tennessee, academically. Now, you may have an issue with some of the things they teach, but academically, those students are performing above and beyond what the bulk of our public school kids do. And I am not going to do this job for the rest of my life, okay, because it'll kill me. But while I will promise you this, while I am there, I will protect and respect the wishes of the homeschool people that have made it perfectly clear is to stay out of my business. And number two, I am not going to do things that are going to jeopardize the performance of our private schools. So with that being said, I'm not going to do this the rest of my life, but while I'm there, I'm going to protect those two things.
0: So I hear this a lot, you know, I'm not going to be there the rest of my life, but while I'm there, you can count on me. And that's great. I hope that is true. However, that does not reassure me because as I said, at some point they will leave and this bill will already be in place and it is already laying the groundwork. This is, again, remember Fabian socialism, incrementalism, little by little, they chip away. Um, So... Uh, It does not reassure me at all that he says, don't worry that, you know, because also and I I'm not going to take more time. I'm just going to let Rick Warren, Todd Warner, uh, give a really great explanation. He talks about how there is no there is no case where there are not strings attached. You can be sure if there's government money. And the other thing is this is all and Charlotte is a bit and talks about this also that this whole plan is all about public private partnership, the PPPs. Um, and this is, they, and when you look at the the bill, there was a bill that was leaked. Um, and they had said, I think it was Johnson who said, I might not get, have gotten that right, but I think it was Johnson who said that the the wording will be pretty similar. Um, so even though they keep saying the verbiage isn't there, but in that they talk about the vendors, so there it's going to be like transportation, these uh mental health counselors, so the wellness checks, and uh you know all those counselors are going to be it's specific vendors, so. Clothing, uniform. So this is already setting up for public-private partnerships uh, to to be an infrastructure that is put in place. Do you think that they're really just going to give? money to these parents and say, hey, do whatever you want with this money. When have you ever seen the government do that? <laughs> um, if you've seen it, please show me because, yeah, I haven't yet to see that ever happen. And I think what's really concerning is that we're moving into, you know, an age where technology is so rapidly, uh, you know, advancing and they are really pushing these digital currencies. And I think that this is going to be done through some sort of a digital uh, account and then they will, even if they say that they're not going to start off by uh, mandating and uh, allocating your funds or overseeing your funds, they will at least have a record of how you've spent those funds and who knows what they can do with that. I think that's very concerning. But let, let's hear from uh, Todd Warner.
1: say a homeschool family call me and say we're in favor of this, I promise you, at some point in time, as you all well know, when you take government money... At some point in time, there's going to be a string attached to it. Yeah. So I think that's the reason the homeschoolers took their position. Uh, and, and I don't mind. You know. But let's, you know, he got the inside information, so you know, let's let him tell us all he will. And remember this on, on this school choice bill, um, we have roughly across the state of Tennessee, we've done some rough estimates we have roughly about 3,500 open seats across the state in public schools. 3,500 I have a million students in public schools. So there's a capacity issue, right? There's no, there's no capacity and obviously the bulk of those opportunities are in two districts. They're in Shelby and Davidson County where one could argue those kids need the most out to get. Um, I can tell you this. It looks like it's going to be about a 38-page bill, because we asked the governor, and he did listen to us, we asked him to open up all of Title 49, which is education, from higher ed all the way down to kindergarten. And the reason why we did that is because we know there are things that we need to do in our public school system that will open up the educational freedoms of our teachers to teach our kids. But remember, once again, whose schools are there? which means you have to be
0: involved and if if you see something you don't like call call us so this is great i i agree you know definitely parents should be involved it is your schools your taxpayer dollars um however i also think that uh parents who homeschool and private school should have the ability to truly be independent and outside of the government system so i want to give i'm not going to have a whole lot of time to go into this but i do want to give a little overview of some of the stuff that is in uh you know anthony sutton's work and he um so his thesis just so you know is essentially that the order of skull and bones this whole book is about the order of skull and bones uh, which is a secret society uh, out of yale university there are several other kind of uh, Sister or organizations, uh, Scroll and Key is one of them. It, it's a pretty big one that is usually not mentioned too much. And there are a couple of others. But the the premise of this book is that the order uh, controls uh, a lot of our geopolitical environment, and they and thereby also uh, controlling as a result of that, you know, our American politics and the. One third of the book is about how the order controls education. And uh, he he actually poses a thesis at the end, and he does not, you know, come to this conclusion. He just says, I think further investigation needs to be examined if there is a connection between the order uh, of skull and bones and the Illuminati. It does look like there is, um, but, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't make that as a conclusive statement. He uh, suggests that further research needs to be done. Uh, but what I think, regardless of whether how you feel about secret societies, how you feel about whether or not his thesis is correct, you can't deny the figures that are involved and the philosophies that are driving, uh, you know, these uh, NGOs and these agendas. So uh, I think it's really important to start with Hegel. He's a very influential and he is a very, uh, you know, He's kind of a key player. He's integral in all of this. And uh, I'm going to just read from one. Of, this is a quote from one of Hegel's very strong influences, who is Johann Gottlieb Pica. Uh, I'm probably butchering his name, uh, but uh, he uh, said this is so this is. Just so that, in case you think, like, oh, Hegel has nothing to do with education, this is one of his strongest influences. And he says education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their schoolmasters would have wished. That is by Johann Gottlieb Ficke, who again was a really strong influence on Hegel. So, I, I typically, when I outline this, and he, uh, both uh, Charlotte Isabitten and uh, Anthony Sutton do as well, they start with Wilhelm Wundt. And Wilhelm Wundt was uh, a, uh, he's known as kind of like the father of psychology, of American psychology, and he was very influenced by Hegel. So, uh, we have a, um, I will start with this. He, he is a quote. He says that, and this is just to kind of preface the uh, next chapter where the order controls education, he says, above all, the reader must, at least temporarily, while reading this work, put to one side the descriptive cliches, as I was talking before, it's kind of more marketing strategy. the cliches of left and right, liberal and conservative, communist and fascist, even Republican and Democrat. These terms may be important for self-recognition. Again, it's how people identify, um, but then their target audiences for marketing. They do provide a certain reassurance, but they are confusing in our context. Unless seen as essential elements in the game plan, you will never understand the order if you are to label it left, right. So most of this is about his uh, third hypothesis is that the order uses Hegelian dialectic processes to bring about a society in which the state is absolute, all powerful. So that is really essential to understand because they, they use left and right. This is something I was trying to explain when I went to speak at the Senate because, you know, they kept saying, well, you know, but the, the Democrats are the bad guys. We're the good guys. And I just found this so strange because it it dawned on me, wow, we would actually probably be better off in this state. And, uh, you know, maybe in others, uh, at least to advocate for what it is I'm looking for, for individual freedoms, individual soft, personal sovereignty and parental rights, we would probably be better off if we had a... Democrat governor and a Republican legislator, because they're so seeped in this dialectic, you know, the wizard circle, they don't recognize that it's a decrafted, targeted dialectic that is where they've been offered, you know, affordance traps on this dialectical poll. They don't see that. They see, they told me, they're the bad guys, we're the good guys. And I said, well, it doesn't really quite work that way, unfortunately. And uh, so it's important to, I To know Hegel, there there were influences and who followed Hegel, uh, who were very inspired by him. There were left and right, and we're going to go through them in just a minute. But I think before I do that, I think it's really important for people to understand. You know, people typically think of thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Um, That was actually uh, Ficka's uh, uh, interpretation of Immanuel Kant, and the translation of Hegel's dialectic would be more accurately put as a, you know, the abstract negative concrete. And I think this is really important for people to understand because the negative is the part where it directly translates to something like sublation. So this is, their intent is to subvert. And the German word for this was afheben. So it means it's an oxymoronic term. It means to lift up. Uh, and preserve while simultaneously canceling and tearing down. And of course, the Frankfurt School uh, drew upon this uh, and they coined uh, a haven to culture, which might be better known as cancel culture. I'm not sure that needs much expounding. Uh, but I think it's just really important for people to know because he they he thought of it. I think the visual of the spiral is a really great way to think about it. It's spiraled towards the omega point. And again, for Hegel, the omega point was God equals the state. He wanted the all powerful state. So that was a uh, uh, that was the goal. So let me just go to some of these figures. Uh, who were and so the influence on the order after 1900 are people like the Rockefeller. Uh, it, Medical uh, for medical research, uh, American Economic Association, uh, Union the- Theological Seminary, then U.S. Naval Academy, William uh, Chavanne and uh, sorry, and UNESCO. UNESCO is really, really important. Um, in understanding the how we got where we got today with education. So I'm going to run through some of this really quickly because I don't think we have time, but maybe I'll do another episode where I just dive into the history of the education, just the roots so people understand how this got started. Um, because I don't think I have time to go through all of it. Um, but I think one of the things that it would be great just for people to take away is that there is the... There were the left Hegelians and there were the right Hegelians. And uh, we can go through some of those names. Um, So there's uh, the right Hegelians, which were the roots of Prussian militarism and unification of Germany and the rise of Hitler. Part of the reason why this is so important in education is because the education system that we have in the united states is exported from the prussian model is a three tier prussian model that was derived after the battle of jena where they lost this battle And they, it was during the Napoleonic Wars and they decided they lost the battle because the soldiers rebelled because they were critical thinkers. And so they must eradicate and eviscerate critical thinking. And they designed a model of education designed to do so. And so here's some of the figures like Carl Ritter, Baron Otto von Bismarck, Baron von Stockmar, who was the confidential advisor to Queen Victoria, Karl Theodor Dahlberg, who was the arch-chancellor uh, in German Reich, and related to Lord Acton, who was uh, in the Illuminati. He was known as Baco V. Verilam. And again, I think this is important because b- when you look at our education system, things like the bell ringing. Uh, you know, it's a very structured environment. That's just one example of so many. And this comes out of this militarism, the Prussian militarism, and it is designed to breed obedience. So then the left Hegelians, so again, you know, this, this is dialectic. It's really important to understand that they use both in order to serve the same agenda. And what is that agenda? It is to create the all powerful state. And the individuals are only, he believed, Hegel believed you could only achieve freedom by serving this all powerful state. So really the individual is insignificant. Uh, which is contrary to the founding principles of the United States of America. No wonder they don't want to teach cursive anymore, because they don't want you to read the Constitution and the founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, which are all predicated on this notion of being endowed by our creator with free will, Uh, not having, and that there is a creator, there is a God who has endowed us with inalienable rights versus us being there just to serve the state. Uh, So some of the left Hegelians who... Uh, or promoters of scientific socialism and uh, these names might be pretty familiar to you names like Karl Marx, Friedrich Engel, Henrik Hein, I might be mispronouncing it, uh, Mike Ster- Max Stirner and Moses Hess who is a, a philosopher, a German philosopher. So I, I don't have time to get into all of those but I think those names are pretty familiar. Um, so I'll uh, leave it at that and then uh, Yeah, I think, unfortunately, we probably are running out of time. So maybe I will just do another episode where I do a deeper dive on all of this. But in the meantime, I recommend you all check out, uh, if you are interested in this topic and learning how we got to where we got to, some of those books are uh, Anthony Sutton's work, Charlotte Isabitten's work, John Taylor Gatto, uh, then John Klesick. Uh, the school world order. And I'm sure there's tons of others. And uh, my friend, Tiffany, Tiffany Boyd, who has uh, the freer children. And she's covering not only the history. She does go through a lot of the history, but she also really covers some of these very relevant bills that are going on right now. Um, but the reason I thought that the, the history is so important is because when you understand Wilhelm Vont and how he was, you know, influenced by Hegel, you understand that there's, a, and then, of course, John Dewey and the Leipzig Connection. So, I, again, I don't have time to go into all of that, but there is a whole book on the Leipzig Connection, if you're interested. Uh, it was Lance and Leonie, and they I think it's like a 155-page book. It's really a booklet, but it outlines all of these students coming out of the Leipzig University where Wilhelm von taught, and some of these people are people like William James who's known as the American father of psychology, uh, you know, Pavlov and uh, Skinner and of course uh, uh, Stanley Hall, G. Stanley Hall. Who was a mentor to John Dewey. And John Dewey was a, a, absolutely a Hegelian and a Vuntian, and he exported this whole system. Uh, he was largely instrumental in doing so. And uh, to breed obedience and compliance, which is what they said they would do uh, after the Battle of Jena, it was to breed mindless, obedient soldiers. And it seems like that is very effective today. And the goal is to get all of the, the children under government control to make them global citizens. So I, I will leave you with that. And hopefully that's a launching pad uh, for further research for you. And maybe that addresses uh, you know, a little bit of the backstory of how we got to where we got today in the field of education. And uh, yeah, if you want to see more of my work, again, that is CourtneyTurner.com. So uh, I spell it like Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y, uh, Turner. Dot com. And uh, again, because I didn't give the P.O. Box um, before, it is P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, uh, 37068. And uh, again, you can go check out my website and uh, find all of my work there. Support my work because I cannot continue. Otherwise, I'm completely dependent on the support of you to help me keep going and keep this production uh, up and running. And I'm so grateful for even just messages you want to send and, uh, you know, Uh, If you go to my podcast and you like, share, and subscribe, that really helps me as well. So I appreciate all of that. And you can reach out to me on social media platforms. I'm pretty uh, responsive on there. Uh, It's Courtney Turner. So Courtney Turner on all of them, except for my Instagram is Kinetic Quartz, and that's C O U R T Z uh, kinetic courts. And, uh, that's, I post more of my fitness type stuff there. Uh, some more of my personal, just the health related kind of, uh, stuff there because, uh, you know, the uh, censorship is a little bit tough. So, uh, but yeah, that's my Twitter is Courtney Turner, uh, so it's Courtney and, uh, you'll see pictures of me doing aerial, um, and uh, of course, we're looking for sponsors for a cause fest that's creative artists uniting for the sovereignty of everyone. You can go to rebelsplural4forcause.com and check out the last one that we did. And uh, we are looking for a partnership, sponsorship. Uh, and talent because we want to get it stands for creative artists uniting for the sovereignty of everyone and we want to give a platform to the independent creative artist so again that's CourtneyTurner.com I am your host and thank you so much for spending this hour with me